If you have your Bibles, open them up to Luke 5. Luke chapter 5. I have a message that uh, from the Holy Spirit that every person in here, who, if you're here today, you felt led to be here today, it's because you're supposed to hear this message. Amen? If you're tuning in online around the world, you're supposed to hear it. If it's 10 years later and you listen, you're listening to this message, you're meant to hear it. Amen? But someone needs to hear this today. This is full of nuggets. You might want to take notes or listen to it later and and take some notes. It's full of golden nuggets from the Holy Spirit that I believe is going to help you. Uh, The powerful thing about this message is this, is that the anointing never leaves a message. You know that? Time never diminishes the anointing on a message. If the anointing's on it, if it's from the Holy Ghost, it's there. Amen? So whether you're listening to it live or later, the anointing's going to be on it. Amen. It's always going to be fresh manna if it's from the Holy Ghost. Amen. So the title of this message is this, let down your nets. Let down your nets. Luke chapter 5, verse 1. Let's start here. So it was, as the multitude pressed about him, Jesus, to hear the word of God, that he stood by the lake of Gennesaret, which is Galilee, and saw two boats standing by the lake. But the fishermen had gone from them and were washing their nets. Then he got into one of the boats, which was Simon's, and asked him to put out, uh, put, put out a little from the land. And he sat down, Jesus sat down in the boat, and taught the multitudes from the boat. And when he had stopped speaking, he said to Simon, Launch out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. But Simon answered and said to him, Master... We have toiled all night and caught nothing. Nevertheless, at your word, I will let down the net. And when they had done this, they caught a great number of fish, and their net was breaking. So they signaled to their partners and the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled both the boats so that they began to sink. When Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees, saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. For he and all who were with him were astonished at the catch of the fish which they had taken. And so also were James and John and the sons of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon. And Jesus said to Simon, Do not be afraid, for uh, from now on you will catch men. So when they had brought their boats to land, they forsook all and followed him. As I was in prayer this week, the Holy Spirit immediately, because I, honestly, after I'm done preaching a sermon and looking forward to the next week, I have no idea what I'm going to preach. I, I'm, some people say, oh yeah, I have a whole month's worth. I have the whole year down of what I'm going to preach. I don't do that. I want fresh bread. Are you hearing me? I want fresh bread. I want fresh manna from heaven. So most of the time, I won't know. And it's, it's like Wednesday, it's Thursday, and I'm like, all right, Lord, I need the word. Where is, so I'm, I'm praying in tongues like a, like a chainsaw in here, you know. Lord, I, I need something for your people. Speak to your people, right? It's not that much anxiety, but you know, just for effect. But So I'm like, Lord, I need something. So when I pr- most of my messages come after I pray in tongues. It's while I'm praying in tongues. And this came when I was praying in tongues. Immediately, the Holy Spirit brought to my remembrance this account. All right? So, this, all these points came from praying in tongues. I can't tell you how important it is to pray in tongues. All right? So, Simon, who is also Peter. Remember, Simon didn't get, get his name changed to Peter until he had the revelation of Christ, right? So I'm going to refer to him as Simon today because that's what the word said, right? All right, so Simon, he was in his boat after fishing all night. Uh, they were washing their nets, and Jesus comes along, and he gets in the boat, right? He gets in the boat, and he asks uh, Simon to push it out so Jesus can teach the people. The first thing I want to point out is this. Here's the first gold nugget. Ready for this? Is that Simon allowed Jesus to use his boat for the work of the ministry. Simon allowed Jesus to use his boat and was obedient to Jesus to push it out for him to teach the people. When Jesus stopped teaching the people, he said to Simon, launch out into the deep and and let down your nets. Here's what the Holy Ghost said. Are you ready? 
If Simon would not have let Jesus use the boat for ministry, he would have never told Simon to let down your nets. Here's the point. Because of Simon's obedience to Jesus, it released a supernatural encounter. It released a supernatural blessing. The Holy Spirit said this to me. He said, if my people will honor me, him, him, by using everything they have for the advancement of the kingdom of God, it will release supernatural encounters and blessings in your life. And then the Holy Spirit immediately, when I wrote this down, the Holy Spirit spoke this to me. Proverbs 3, 9 and 10. Go there with me. I'm telling you, right, this is a right now word. Proverbs 3, 9 and 10. This is the next verse that the Holy Spirit brought to me. It says this. Honor the Lord with your possessions and with the first fruits of all your increase. Why? So your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will overflow with new wine. Provision, blessing. If you will honor the Lord with everything you have in your life. Your home. What is it? Have people over your home. Start having prayer, uh, prayer groups, Bible studies. You know what I'm saying? Everything you have, use it for the advancement of the kingdom. We are to honor God with everything we have. And he said it will, it will release. We have a promise right there in Proverbs. It will release an increase of provision, an increase of blessing in your life. Now, here we go. Oh, this is going to get deeper. You got to stick with me here. Simon answered and said to Jesus, Master, we have toiled all night and caught nothing. Now, I want you to put yourself in Simon's shoes here. He was up all night and he was exhausted, right? Can you, can you put yourself in his shoes? He, he tried all night, caught nothing. He was exhausted. The Holy Spirit spoke this to me. He said, this is symbolic of my people doing things in their own flesh and not seeking me first. Many Christians are working and trying to do things in their own strength and they're getting wore out, they're getting burned out, they have exhaustion in their life instead of seeking the Lord for wisdom and what He wants. See, Christians, Christians wouldn't get discouraged and wore out if they sought the Lord, if they acknowledge God in things before they do them. Oh, because the flesh will, listen, the flesh will only take you so far. You might be able to do some good things, but they might not be God things. That's why as a board for this church, we pray. Because there's a lot of great things we could do, right? But God might not be calling us to do those specific things. Then guess what? It's a waste of all your money and my money. Are you following me, somebody? There's a lot of good things, but not necessarily good, uh, God things. Simon was giving Jesus... His excuse for not wanting to obey his command to let down the nets. Can you imagine Jesus now? <laughs> Jesus hearing Simon's excuse and just kind of roll, giving him an eye roll. All right. You know, I mean, can you imagine Jesus putting up with all this stuff, right? All right. But Simon represents every Christian that has a carnal mindset that's carnal minded and makes excuses not to step out in faith and obedience to the Holy Spirit. But then Simon says one word that shifts it all. Nevertheless. Nevertheless, the word is nevertheless. In other words, Jesus, I surrender. I will do what you're asking me to do. Nevertheless, Jesus, I don't want to do this. Nevertheless, say nevertheless. nevertheless. There's power in the word. Nevertheless. Amen. Now, so here we go. He said, I will do what you're asking me to do. Kind of. Oh, you did. Oh, get ready. Get ready. I, 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 man, I'm going to venture out and say, probably there's some people in here who've never saw the point I'm getting ready to bring up. What do I mean by kind of? You, so you must understand what was going on here in, in Simon's carnal mindset, okay? The best time to fish was at night. That is why Simon said they've been toiling or working all night. So in Simon's mind, this was dumb. Okay, so you want me to go out, 
Not at night, but now during the day. I didn't even catch anything at night. Now you expect me to go out in the day when it's worst time to fish? Are you hearing me, somebody? So Jesus, Jesus telling him to let down his net during the day was absolutely ridiculous in his carnal thinking. Have you ever tried to tell God what to do? Have we ever, we ever tried to talk some sense into God before? Yeah, yeah, right, right. See, faith and obedience to the Holy Spirit will be ridiculous to your carnal, fleshly thinking. And listen to this. God's divine timing, say divine timing, and requirements are not going to line up with the laws in the natural realm and circumstances, and certainly not with our fleshly thinking. Amen? Now, here's what I want you to say. Here's what I want you to see when I said kind of. He, he obeyed Jesus kind of. Here it is. I want you to notice in verse 4, this is good, that Jesus told Simon to let down your nets, meaning more than one. In verse 5, Simon gives in, but he said, I will let down the net. Have you ever caught that? Jesus said nets. Simon said, sure, I'll let down a net. The net. Oh my gosh, you guys, I'm telling you right now. Here we go. Simon was acting in partial obedience to Jesus' command. Partial obedience will always hold back and block the fullness. I said the fullness of the blessing that God's trying to release in your life and in the lives of others around you. In verse 6, listen to this. He caught so much fish, so much fish were caught that one on that one net that it began to break. It break. The one net that Simon said, all right, I'll do it, but I'm only going to let one down. That one began to break. That means this, that some fish got away and they couldn't hold them all. That money was getting away from Simon and the workers that were helping him. That was their livelihood. You know that, right? That was their livelihood. If Simon would have obeyed Jesus's command fully, he would have been able to have a greater harvest. He brought in a lot, but he could have brought in a whole lot more. And it says two boats began to sink. Are you ready for this? The Holy Spirit said this. Simon's expectation was too low. He said this. This is what the Holy Ghost said to me when I was writing this. He said they could have had as many nets and as many boats as they wanted to make available be filled. He said, I would have filled them all. I would have filled them all. Are you hearing me? I would have filled them all. But Simon's thinking, he was in a grumpy mood. He was in a bad mood, right? He was in his flesh. He said, nevertheless, but he he said, okay, I'll do one. That's That's as big as my expectation is, Jesus. That's as big as it is. Just one I'll give you. And the Holy Spirit said, my people's expectation and faith are way too low. And then the Holy Spirit brought to my remembrance where Jesus said in other accounts, according to your faith, be it unto you. According to, think about this. He would have filled as many boats and nets as they had. But Peter or Simon did not take full advantage of the divine encounter that he was being given. So in other words, how much do you want How much do you want your territory expanded? Come on, somebody. We need to prepare and sow for the harvest we want to receive. You sow sparingly. You know what the word says? You'll reap sparingly. Come on, somebody. Many Christians are discouraged in life right now like Simon after working on all night. They have tried to do life on their own strength, in their own timing, and it has never worked out. And you know what the weird thing about this is? They blame God for it. God, why are you doing this to me? And God's saying, if you'll just ask me to direct your steps, if you will acknowledge me, I'll lead you into where you're supposed to go. Where things start to fall into place in your life. Because right now you're just a hot mess. Come on, somebody. In the words of this generation, right? You're a hot mess. Some things you have tried 
were a part of God's plan for your life. They are. They're a part of God's plan for your ministry, but his but you are not in his perfect timing. Divine timing, say divine timing. Divine timing is so crucial because God is trying to here it is. He's trying to set things up behind the scenes. He's trying to prepare your own heart. Oh, come on, somebody. When we're talking about divine timing, it goes so much deeper. It's, a ma- it's not a matter of God saying no. It's a matter of Him saying, not yet. Not yet. God honors our free will. You know what the evidence of that is? Our life. That's a hot mess. He honors our free will. If we were robots, God would let us just walk in the blessing as robots. Are you following me? The power of the free will is in the fact that we're a hot mess. (laughs) Okay. Listen, with that divine timing, the Holy Spirit is dealing with other people that are a part uh, part of his plan for your life. He's trying to set up divine connections. He's trying to set up divine appointments. But, but here it is. Our lack of patience and our lack of seeking God will wreck it all. Right? You ever see that movie Wreck-It Ralph? Everywhere you go, you're going to be a Wreck-It Ralph. It's not going to work out. Amen? When dealing with, listen to this, when dealing with divine timing... So we know it's more than just about you. The Holy Spirit, he's not only dealing with you, but here. And this was spoken in in a word last week, if you were here, okay? I believe by Sister Carol over there. God is also trying to deal with the free will of people that are supposed to be connected to your blessing. Are you following me? So it's not just about you. The the whole thing's not about you. The the whole divine timing thing is God's working things out behind the scenes. Amen? That's where patience, you've got to have patience when it comes to the will of God. So many people are paranoid, I'm going to miss the will of God. I'm going to miss it. I'm going to miss it. I, I can promise you, when it's time to move, you'll feel it. You'll sense it on the inside. Are you hearing me? So pray for the Holy Spirit to lead you and to give you wisdom and His timing. You will feel promptings on the inside when it's time for you to move, okay? You'll feel, you'll feel a lack of peace when you move and you're not supposed to. All right? Follow peace on the inside. Follow peace. God will give you signs. He will give you clues. Amen? Things will just start to fall into place. All right? So, when it's time for you to act on something, you will know because peace will be attached to it. Say peace. Peace Peace will be attached to it, okay? And every part of Simon's flesh, every part of Simon's mindset did not want to obey Jesus. But something on the inside gave him some peace to at least do what he said, except he was partial. Eh, I'll obey you. Eh. All right? Now, here's, so here's what the, the next step into this message that I want to get into, that the Holy Spirit wanted me to connect with that account in, in this. I want to talk about doubt and unbelief. All right, we talked a lot about faith. Let's talk a little bit about doubt and unbelief now, all right? Because some people think they're the same thing, doubt and unbelief. They're not, and we're going to show you why. What, what is doubt and unbelief, and, and what are the differences between the two? You ready for this? Thank you, you two. Okay, so. Man. All right, here we go. Here we go. Unbelief is defined as an absence of faith. Here's what unbelief is. Unbelief is a hearing or reading the truth and willingly rejecting it. Unbelief is a willing rejecting of it. You hear it, you read it, and you willingly say, no, that's unbelief. Okay, that's unbelief. Doubt is defined as this, a feeling of uncertainty or a lack of conviction. So unbelief is a rejection of the truth of your free will, by the way. Doubt means this. Doubt means that you don't reject the truth, 
but there is a momentary absence of faith or a questioning of a specific thing. It's not a continuous unbelief or rejection, but a specific time frame of a lack of faith. That's what doubt is. All right, now follow me here. A great example about doubt is believing and praying for others for healing and seeing results and then having a family member or yourself needing healing. And it's a lot harder for you to believe for yourself or them. Are you following me? So in other words, you accept the truth. Yes, healing's for today. Healing, except for myself. Come on, somebody. That's doubt. It's not a full rejection of that truth about healing. But there's a hindrance there. All right, listen to this. This is what the Holy Spirit said to me. Made it so clear. Doubt is a restriction of your faith. Unbelief is a rejection of the whole thing. Of a whole topic. Are you following me? Does that make sense? Clear as mud? All right, now, go with me to Hebrews chapter 3. Hebrews chapter 3. So now that we know what each one is, it kind of, now when you read it in the Word, it kind of brings it into a different light now, doesn't it? Because a lot of people, like I said, they group them together, doubt and unbelief. They're different. They're totally different. But So I'm going to keep going here. I got some nuggets, so get ready. Hebrews 3, verses 7. Therefore, as the Holy Spirit says, Today, if you will hear his voice, do not harden your hearts in the rebellion. In the, as, harden your hearts as in the rebellion. In the day of the trial in the wilderness, where your fathers tested me and tried me and saw my works 40 years. Therefore, I was angry with that generation and said, they always go astray in their heart. And they have not known my ways, so I swore in my wrath they shall not enter my rest. Beware, brethren, listen to this. This is New Testament. Beware, brethren, Christians, lest there be any uh, be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief, a rejection of the truth or a truth. In departing from the living God, but exhort one another daily. Why? Exhort them daily what? So they don't fall into this trap of rejecting the truth. While it is called today, lest any of, any of you be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. For we have become partakers of Christ. This is, this is, many people just stop there. I see a word if after that. If we hold the beginning of our confidence steadfast to the end, while it is said today, if you will hear his voice, do not harden your hearts in the, as in the rebellion. Verse 16. For who, having heard, rebelled? Indeed, was it not all who came out of Egypt led by Moses? Now with whom uh, was he angry 40 years? Was it not with those who sinned, whose corpses fell in the wilderness? And to whom did he swear that they they will not enter his rest, but those who did not obey? Now you can see it's connecting obedience or disobedience with unbelief. So we, so we see that they could not enter because of, there it is, unbelief. So unbelief is a manifestation, according to this, unbelief is a manifestation of a hardened heart. Say hardened heart. It is an unrenewed mind that allows the fleshly thinking to di- disregard the word of God. That's what it is. Unbelief is a choice, an act of your free will. Unbelief, again, is a rejection of the truth. Unbelief is what kept the children of Israel wandering in the wilderness for 40 years. There's a crazy thing about that. They wandered for 40 years because of unbelief. Do you know how long that journey should have taken, should have taken them? I believe it was like 11 days. You know, you know what this says? It means that we can live our whole life on this earth and never be in the will of God. You can live 80, 90, 120 years and you can it's possible not to ever enter into the will of God. How sad, isn't it? They, the, they constantly hardened their heart and rejected obedience to God. Their, their unbelief or rejection of the truth led to disobedience. 
See, disobedience, like I said, is connected to, uh, to unbelief uh, in disobedience, okay? Because of this, they are all, both forms of rebellion. The root cause is rebellion. Say rebellion. rebellion. Disobedience, unbelief, it's rebellion. That means that you have a choice to believe it. But you have chosen to reject it. All right? Now, go with me to Hebrews 4. Hebrews 4, 1 and 2. Let's take a look at this. It says, Therefore, since a promise remains of entering into his rest, let us fear or reverence him, lest any of you seem to, ha- uh, ha- seem to come short of it. For indeed the gospel was preached to us as well to them, but the word which they heard did not profit them. See, when, you read, when I read that, you should be on the end of your seat right now. You should be like, why didn't it profit them? Why, 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 right? Here we go. <laughs> not being mixed with faith in those that heard it. Say mixed with faith. When you hear the word of God, when you read it, it said, the word of God says that it must be mixed with faith for it to profit your life. You can read something and choose not to believe it. Have you figured that out yet? That is why so many people can hear the word of God. They can read it for themselves. It can be something as clear as a bell and they reject it. Because it's not mixed with faith. A great example of this is the topics of, again, it's just a good example because it's so rejected, but uh, divine healing and deliverance from demons. All right? Those, who, those two benefits of the gospel of Jesus Christ are so clear, you need a demon to blind you from those truths. Are you following me? You, you literally, I mean, there literally needs to be a, a, a blinder that there's so much evidence in here. Right? There's so much evidence. In fact, there's so much evidence about divine healing. God says the prayer of faith will save the sick and raise them up. So God believes there's enough evidence in his word for you to have enough faith to believe for divine healing. Are you following me? That's your creator, by the way. So, um, but but people have chose not to believe. So mixing faith with hearing, here's what, what the Holy Spirit showed me. You ready for this? Mixing faith with hearing means that you are bent toward believing what you're hearing or reading. Are you following me? It means that you're bent, it means that you honor and respect the word of God enough that if you find evidence in this word, whether whatever you were brought up at, what denomination you were brought up, whatever it is, that you have enough respect and honor for the truth of God's word, that you're going to let the word override your tradition. Are you following me? All right. So what hinders that? What hinders that from happening? I just said one. Tradition. Say tradition. Well, I wasn't raised that way. Well, get a life. Cut the umbilical cord from mommy and daddy. Are you hearing me? Cut it off. They changing your diaper still too? Get it out of there. Are you, are you following me? Grow up. Amen? Amen. So tradition. And the next, uh, so faith being, here's the next one. So tradition, faith being tainted by bad experiences in your life. That's a biggie. Because that messes with people's emotions on the mm, real close level. Right? I mean, mom, hey, if anybody has an excuse not to believe in it, it's me. My mom died at 54. Are you hearing me? So that one, when, when a family member dies young or a friend or someone, that hits hard, doesn't it? I mean, that's personal. I mean, that hits hard. But this is one of the big reasons of why people have trouble mixing faith with what they're hearing in the Word and what they read in the Word. Are you following me? So everything they hear and read in the Bible, they are seen through this corrupt fleshly lens. And many Christians are not bent toward believing those truths, but they're more bent toward rejecting them. Their belief system is a little corrupted. 
in those areas. I'm not saying they're not saved. Are you following me? All right. But they're just, they're, they're not bent toward mixing it with faith in their heart because something slapped them in their heart very personal. You get it, right? Now, here's the deal. Romans, te- but, that, but that's still not an excuse not to believe the word of God. I got to say that. Amen? All right. That's why we don't base our faith on experience because experience will always lie to you. Experience will always lie to you. See, the natural realm has facts, but the word of God is truth. Trump truths facts, right? It's like there's the law of gravity, but I can get in my air, get, not my airplane, but I can get in an airplane and the law of lift overrides gravity. Are you following me? Uh, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. That'll be 50 bucks for that flying lesson, by the way. All right, great. Now, <laughs> so listen to this. So Romans ten seventeen says, so then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So that means, you heard this before, I'll say it again. It's not just a one-time hearing. It means there's a hearing over and over and over. In other words, you're filling, you're consistently filling your thought life, right? All right. So if someone reads it once and said they don't believe it, well, no kidding, right? Faith didn't come. No kidding. One time, huh? Uh, I mean, I'll brush my teeth one time and then come talk to me my whole life, right? It's going to kind of be... Weird, right? Offend you a little bit. It's an over and over type of thing. You kind of constantly. And o- listen to this. Only those that are serious. Come on, somebody. Only those that are committed to the Lord are going to hear it. Allow themselves to hear it over and over. You can't come to church one time and expect everything to change. Are you hearing me? The mind, the renewing of the mind I'm talking about. Because there's a lot of junk up in the minds, uh, right? we got to break these things. The Holy Spirit spoke this to me. You want to hear this? Listen to this. Good, I'm going to say it anyways. He said this. He said, every time a person hears the Word of God, seeds are indeed getting planted in their heart. All right? But for them to really take root, this is what he said to me. He said they must be either neutral or bent toward believing it. If a person is hardened and set by their own free will in not believing it because of strongholds of tradition, past experiences, or whatever, he said they will not believe it. When they shift, here's what he said, when they shift to a neutral position or at least an openness, then it will begin to produce faith. The person's will must be in it to believe. You know, people read Romans ten seventeen like it's some magic formula. Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word. Faith comes by hearing. So, you know, they're, they're saying it to someone who's, who's not a believer, right? In fact, I mean, they're dead set against it. And they're, right? Are you hearing me, somebody? Now, here's what the Holy Spirit showed me. The Holy Spirit is constantly dealing with the ground of a person's heart. Are you following me? Anybody alive in here today? All right. The Holy Spirit, this is what he said. Because after you heard this, someone said, oh, it's not doing anything. Here's what he said, though. The Holy Spirit is constantly trying to prepare and soften the ground of a person's heart. So you keep planting the seeds. Are you following me? You keep planting, you keep watering, but the Holy Ghost job is to work on the heart of that person so the seeds can germinate and grow. The seed of the Word of God must be sown in the heart, but and the ground must receive it. It must be good ground like the parable of the sower talks about. See, that's why when we're trying to minister to someone, whether it's our children or a family member, all right, a lot of times, you know, we're always sabotaging it because we get so paranoid. We get so paranoid that they're not going to get saved. Come on, somebody. Yes. We get so paranoid because God's not doing a good enough job. Because God's not doing a good enough job. You know, we got to help God out a little bit, right? He's not doing a good enough job. So we have to kind of jump in. But we end up, what we end up doing is sabotaging what God's doing. And then when you speak the word to him, no wonder the family member's like, forget you. Forget you. I don't even want to hear it. Because you're sabotaging it. Stop. Let, here's what you need to do. Pray for them. 
sow seeds just sparingly here and there. But guess what? It's going to come from people, probably not you. I said it before, I'll say it again. The seeds, see, you just don't have enough faith that God's sending people. Because guess what? You want to be the Superman. You want to be the hero of the family. I'm going to get them saved, bless God. Guess what? You're probably not going to. Let's just save your time right now. What you really need to do is be fasting and praying for them. And trust that God loves them more than you love them. Do you understand that? God loves those family members more than you do. Amen. So, so the enemy just has a field has a field day on that. When we try, when we're you know we're always up in our kids' stuff. Are you hearing me, somebody? You know, yeah, you know what I'm saying, right? But all it's doing is pushing more rebellion in in them. That's all. Just telling it like it is. Pastor James James is being real today. Amen. So faith or believing a ch- faith or believing something is a choice of our free will, not an emotion. It's an act of our free will. Now go with me to Mark six. I'm going to show you guys something that is powerful. Uh, get ready. I'm about ready to drop a revelation bomb on you guys here, and it's toward the end of the message. So stay tuned. All right. Oh my, something the Holy Ghost showed me that I. It's just, it's a new thing. I mean, Revelation's been popping on the inside of me here by the Holy Ghost. Mark 6, let's look at verses 1 through 6 here, all right? It says, Then he, Jesus, went out from there and came to his own country, Nazareth, and his disciples followed him. And when the Sabbath had come, he began to teach in the synagogue. And many, of, uh, and many hearing him were astonished, saying, Where did this man get these things? And what wisdom is this which is given to him, that such mighty works are performed by his hands? Is this not the carpenter, the son of Mary, and brother of James, Joseph, Judas, and Simon? And are, are not his sisters here with us? So they were, underline it, they were offended at him. This is a key. But Jesus said to them, A prophet is not without honor, except in his own country, among his own relatives, and in his own house. Now he could do... here. This is about Jesus, the Son of the living God. Are you ready? Now he, Jesus, could do no mighty work there, except that he laid his hands on a few sick people and healed them. And he marveled. Because of their unbelief. Then he went about the villages in a circuit teaching. He's like, all right, if you're not going to receive, I'm going to keep it moving. Amen? Amen? But listen to this. Many of the people that knew Jesus and his family there in Nazareth, it says they were offended at him. You want to know what killed the anointing? Familiarity. They were familiar with him. Now, let's talk a little bit about that. Here's what it does. Familiarity produces an offense. Mom, dad trying to talk to a son or a daughter who's not saved. It immediately puts up an offense. What? You're too familiar with them. You still give them wisdom and love them, obviously, but you got to be led by the Holy Ghost. Amen? Familiarity produced an offense. Like, who does this guy think he is? Right? The offense then produced a lack of honor, which produced unbelief or a rejection of the truth. Are you following me? which hindered Jesus from doing any mighty work there in Nazareth. So the lack of faith or the unbelief literally hindered the people from receiving and being partakers of the anointing that was upon the Messiah, the Lord Jesus Christ. Are you following me? I don't know about you, but that blows me away. In other words, Jesus was walking on this earth as a man, anointed with the Holy Spirit. He was not, are you following me? He followed the spiritual laws. He followed the natural laws, just like you and I. Uh, Amen? It says that Jesus marveled because he was taken back by their unbelief that they had. Only a few sick people were healed. So obviously... 
the word goes out of its way to make clear there was a lot more people that needed healing. There was a lot more people that needed deliverance. Are you hearing me? But because, because of their unbelief, it hindered a manifestation of it. All right? So uh, that reveals even, even something, you know, in a, in a service, you know? A lot of times the flow of the anointed is not so much about the minister as it much as the people that are wanting to receive. Are you following me? If there's a hungry people in a service, it's going to release the anointing. The gifts of the Spirit are going to flow. The presence, that's why I'm feeling, I, I feel like I'm on a, on a slide with baby oil on it right now preaching. Are you hearing me, somebody? I feel like I'm on a slide. That's because you guys are drawing it out of me. Amen. So unbelief or rejection of a truth then, because Jesus couldn't do no mighty works in Nazareth. It means this, that some people probably lost their life because of the unbelief and lack of honor toward Jesus. So instead of you being a receiver of the anointing, a receiver of the power of God, a receiver of healing in that, in that Nazareth there, those people, it made them a resistor of it. Say resistor. It will cause you to not let down your nets to catch everything that God has for you in your life. My last, never mind. Uh, go to Mark 11. Mark 11. Now, are you guys getting anything out of this? Because I'm sure having fun preaching this house down today. All right. So, hallelujah. Mark, Mark 11. This is a passage I go, go to all the time. And I will until Jesus returns, right? Or I go to heaven first, whatever comes first, right? Mark 11, look at verse uh, 22 through 24. And I want to pull something out here. So Jesus answered and said to them, Have faith in God, or have the God kind of faith. For assuredly I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be removed and be cast into the sea and does not doubt, underline it, does not doubt in his heart, but believes that those things that he says will be done, he will have what, whatever he says. Therefore, I say unto you, whatever things you ask, when you pray, believe that you receive them and you will have them. So it says that if you do not doubt in your heart. So listen, this is what I want to pull out. You're like, how many times can Pastor James bring this passage up and bring up something new? Well, let's just zoom in on doubt right now. Okay, here we go. This is not talking about someone that has unbelief or that has rejected a total truth. Are you following me? Jesus is not talking to people who have unbelief or a rejection of the truth. He's talking to people who have doubt. Okay? So this passage then is talking about someone that has doubt or a hindrance in their heart about what they're speaking and or praying for. All right. There is a restriction on their faith for a specific thing that they want. You following me? He's not. This is not unbelief. Jesus is not dealing with unbelief. Because if someone had unbelief, they're not even going to try speaking to the mountain. Are you following me? So just the simple fact that you're speaking to a mountain shows there's some kind of desire and faith in there. Are you following me? All right, great. That's free. That wasn't even in my notes. All right. So here's the deal. Remember, so doubt is a restriction on a person's faith for something specific. And here's what the Holy Spirit said to me. Are you ready for this? There is always a specific reason for that doubt being present. It's never a random thing that doubt is in your heart when you pray for that thing you're desiring. There is something specific blocking, restricting, doubting that truth. Are you following me now? So, Jesus is saying, if you will remove that doubt, that restriction, that hindrance to your belief that you have, right? You will have whatever you say and whatever you pray for. Some that pray for healing, like I said, I want to touch on this. Some that pray for healing believe that healing's in the Word. But again, 
they have a difficult time receiving it in their own life, okay? And here's what the Holy Spirit said to me. He said, sometimes those reasons are these, a feeling of self-rejection. I'm not good enough to receive this, God. I've done too many bad things. Are you following me? That could be the doubt that's keeping your mountain stayed in that place. There's always a reason for that doubt. I don't deserve to be healed. I'm not good enough. Or a guilt, a feeling of condemnation. Hello, somebody. The Holy Spirit spoke this to me. Man, I got a lot of these in this message. The Holy Spirit spoke this to me. He said, if my people, his people, will ask me, the Holy Spirit, what that, that restriction or hindrance to their faith is, I will show them. He said this. Now listen to this. He said, but they must truly have an open heart to receive correction in their life. Are you following me? He said this, a hardened heart will make them spiritually deaf and nothing will change their situation. He said this, sometimes I will reveal it directly to them on the inside, just revelation. He said at other times I may use another person to speak it. He said, in many times, when I'm trying to speak to them, jealousy for another person cuts it off. Because the person they're jealous about is the one I'm trying to speak to them with. Oh, someone didn't hear that. Someone didn't hear that. My goodness. That's why we all need each other. The Holy Spirit doesn't just speak to you yourself. He speaks through the body to you, through people to you, through other ministers, through your spouse. Mm. <laughs> Let's just camp out on that for a moment, shall we? My, my, my. Listen to this. The Holy Spirit will not give counsel to a person that believes they already have the answer. Oh, you did. Listen to this. The Holy Spirit will not give counsel or revelation to a person that believes they already have the answer. Because it says, you know what that is? Pride. And it says God resists the pride, but gives grace to the humble. The key is having humility. He will not give counsel to those who believe they already have the answer. You need to come to him with, God, I have no idea what's going on here. Show me. Guys, I'm telling you right now, there will be a glory explosion in your life if you get to that place. Let the pride go. Amen? So faith, doubt, and unbelief are all a part of our free will. It's all under our control, okay? Uh, And we know this to be true because the Word of God warns us against doubt and unbelief. And it tells us to have faith. So God's obviously not going to ask us to do something that we're not able to do on our own, right? You get it? All right. So our desire to remove the doubt and unbelief will cause the Holy Spirit to help us get out of that rut and remove that restriction, that blockage, that doubt. Come on, son. Now, isn't that good to know? Think about it. You're, you're believing for something. Someone in here is believing for something. You're believing for a breakthrough, right? Anybody in this place, right? You're believing for a breakthrough. So many of the times you guys think, oh, there's something so big blocking it. I guarantee it's something like this small. And once the Holy Spirit reveals it, boom, that dam's removed. Here comes the gush. Here comes the breakthrough. So that's what a breakthrough is. Breaking through the doubt. You have faith for for that thing, but there's a temporary restriction there. There's a hindrance. Are you hearing me? So So I want you to see this thing. If you're believing for something, this is not some huge thing you're that that's blocking you. No, no, no. It's just it's just just a, a little thing. Are you following me? Yes. Seek the Holy Ghost. Amen. Now here is my last passage, and I'm done. Mark chapter nine. Mark chapter 9. Mark chapter 9, verse 17. Sorry, sorry guys. Here's the thing. 
if I were to cut this message short, I would not be able to go home in good conscience. Are you following me? I, I couldn't. I couldn't. Because this all is a flow today that you need to hear. Amen? Okay. Amen. Praise God. Here we go. Mark 9, uh, 17. Then one of the crowd answered and said, Teacher, I brought you my son who, was, uh, who has a mute spirit. And what, whenever or wherever it seizes him, it throws him down. He foams at the mouth, gnashes his teeth, and becomes rigid. So I spoke to your disciples that they should cast it out, but they could not. He, Jesus, answered and said, and said, O faithless generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I bear with you? Bring him to me. Then they brought him to, uh, brought him to him. And when he saw him, immediately the spirit, the demon, convulsed him. And he fell on the ground and wallowed, foaming at the mouth. So he asked his father, how long, how long has this been happening to him? And he said, from childhood. Yes, children can have demons. And often he has thrown him into the fire and into the water to destroy him. But if you can do anything, have compassion on us and help us. Jesus said to him, if you can believe, all things are possible to him who believes. Immediately the father of the child cried out and said with tears, Lord, I believe, help my unbelief. Most people focus on that. You'll see something in a moment. Verse 25. When Jesus saw that the people came running together, he rebuked the unclean spirit, saying to it, Deaf and dumb spirit, I command you, come out of him and enter him no more. Then the spirit cried out, convulsed him greatly, and came out of him. And he became as one dead, so that many said, He is dead. But Jesus took him by the hand and lifted him up and arose. And when he had come into the house, his disciples asked him privately, Now catch this. Why could we not cast him out? He said, this kind can come out by nothing but by prayer and fasting. Are you ready? You ready for this? Here we go. You ready for some more revelation bombs? I've never seen this before. Here it goes. Jesus was upset that his disciples were not able to cast the demon out of that young boy. Many bring up the point of the, where the father said, Lord, I believe, help my unbelief. But here's what it was shown to me. That really has no bearing on what happened in this account. In fact, the Holy Spirit said this. The father has nothing, really not much to do with this account other than one thing I'm going to show you. Are you ready for this? The deliverance of the man's son did not hinge on the father's faith at all. The father was not the hindrance to the son's deliverance. All right? In fact, uh, the father, the Holy Spirit said this. The, the, the Holy Spirit said the father did have faith. And his act of faith was this. Seeking help for his son. Seeking help for his son. That was good enough on the father's role. Are you hearing me, somebody? Okay, now follow me here. There are some different factors involved here that you need to know. This wasn't a need for a healing of a sickness, a healing of a disease, or being raised from the dead. It was for casting a demon out of a young boy. You understand that? If it was a need for physical healing or being raised from the dead, the father's faith would have been more of an important factor in this. Okay, it probably would have been a little bit more said about it uh, to focus on. But the one action of faith that was good enough, like I said, for the deliverance of uh, the son, the act of faith was that the father sought help for the son. The biggest factor, here's the revelation bomb. The biggest factor revealed in Jesus is revealed in Jesus's anger toward the disciples for failure to cast it out. The father had nothing to do with the hindrance. Are you following me? How many times have you heard this account and you heard the father had, oh, help my unbelief, right? Now, that was, the Holy Spirit said this. That was just the father getting a little emotional about things. That's, that's what the Holy Spirit said. That's it. That's the only role the father had was to seek help for his son. Now, follow me here. So the biggest factor in this whole account that the Holy Spirit wants to, to draw from is Jesus' anger toward his disciples for not being able to cast it out. Jesus called them a faithless generation. So we know then 
There was a lack of faith in the process on the disciples' end. Are you following me? The ones who were ministering. There was a lack of faith on the ones who were ministering. Are you following me? Listen to this. And then when, Jesus, when, when the disciples asked Jesus the reason why they couldn't cast the demon out, he said, this kind can only come out by nothing but prayer and fasting. We've heard that a million times in this account, right? Now, here we go. Now we know there's a clue here, a connection. We know that our faith level as Christians uh, can be boosted by times of prayer and fasting combined. Jesus gave us a clue. He said, oh, faithless generation. And then they asked him, what's the problem? He said, this kind can only come out by prayer and fasting. So prayer and fasting can boost faith. Okay, are you following me? So times of fasting, which means abstaining from food for a period of time, whatever it is. The Holy Spirit spoke this to me. This is the bomb right here. He said this, Jesus was angry. Oh, I could hear a pin drop right now. Jesus was angry. Because the disciples were getting lazy on their times of prayer and fasting when ministering. And it almost cost the boys freedom. Jesus wasn't upset at the Father. He was upset at his ministers he sent out. The Holy Spirit said they were getting lazy on their prayer and fasting when they were out ministering. That's why Jesus was angry. Are you fine? Mind blown. Never saw that. Because when I'd read that before, I'd think, boy, he's really hot at that father. He's really mad, really upset, right? Oh, no. He was at the ministers. Oh, my goodness. The Holy Spirit continued to say, sometimes the hindrance is not a lack of knowing the word, but a faith problem that can only be resolved through times of prayer and fasting. This account also reveals, Jesus revealed, that certain demons are stronger than others when he said, this kind. And Jesus was upset because they weren't prepared to handle this kind. Are you following me? Why else would Jesus be upset? He would have, if, if, if everyone did everything right, Jesus would have been like, eh, just bring him to me. We'll, just, we'll deal. We'll, here, we'll, we'll take care of it. He was upset because they weren't prepared like they should have been to deal with that kind of demon. So there is something else you need to know about this account about the young boy. His father... His father was his spiritual authority and sought help for him. But you as an adult, you are expected to seek help for yourself. Amen? You must, have, you must seek help for your own freedom, your own deliverance. Of course, if someone's incapable, that's another story. Remember the, the paralyzed man? They let him down from the roof and it says, Jesus saw their faith. Everyone who is around. But if you're capable, it's up to you to seek your own freedom. Are you hearing me? To seek help. So church, it's time that we get rid of unbelief. It's time that we get rid of doubt in every area. It's time to remove every restriction, every hindrance to our faith. We need to walk in obedience to the written word of God. Walk in obedience to the spoken word of God. And we need to let down our nets and take hold of every blessing that God has for us. Amen? It's time to let down our nets again. But this time, seek the Lord and Holy Ghost timing. Let's stand up in this place. Hallelujah. I could tell some of you are taken back about that Jesus angry thing. I'm telling you. Makes sense, doesn't it? Wow. Whew. That shows how serious that Jesus takes it that we're prepared to minister to this dark and evil world. Amen. I mean, we're dealing with demonic spirits, evil principalities and powers. This is no no time to play games. Amen. People's lives are at stake, so maybe you're in this place. You've never made Jesus Christ the Lord and Savior of your life. You're on the outside, you're looking in. You've had unbelief your whole life, but today, something pricked on the inside of your heart. The Holy Spirit's drawing you. If that's you, I want you to come forward and pray with me after this service. Now, maybe there's some in this place, you've, you 
you know, you're a Christian, but you don't have confidence that you would go home to be with the Lord if you drop dead right now. And you know your life is a wreck. You're one of the hot messes I've been talking about up here. If you want to rededicate your life to the Lord, I want you to come up and, and pray with me today. Maybe you've never received the Holy Spirit baptism with the evidence of speaking in other tongues. If you want prayer for that, you're having a hard time about the whole tongues thing, come up and talk to me. And let's get this settled. Amen? Amen. Now, maybe there's someone you need a physical healing, emotional healing. You need prayer for a loved one. Uh, today, I was talking about a loved one. And maybe you just, you're like, okay, yeah, I need to do more praying and less trying to be the hero. Amen? If that's you, I want you to come forward. But I hope you guys enjoyed the service today because I sure did. Amen. This is going to carry me. Woo! I love it. God is so good. Amen. Amen. If you guys need to meet with me for deliverance or just want to meet, uh, grab a card in the back, text me, message me. Always available for you. Um, visitors, thanks so much. There's a visitor's card right in front of you there. If you want to fill it out, put it in the suggestion box. So everybody, thank you so much for coming today. I'm looking forward to next week. Grab one of those papers with all the events coming up. Tuesday, uh, phone prayer or co- prayer conference call. Wednesday, prayer here at 7. Friday morning prayer. Sunday morning service. We're moving at Living Waters Chapel. God bless you all.